Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church, Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. My um, privilege and responsibility to talk to you this morning, um, we're kind of having a two-week series on giving and finance and, and money. And last week, Matt, he was talking all about um, our hearts and greed. And he told us that wherever our money goes, our heart will follow. And as we, we at Mosaic, we think the church is so important. We think what Jesus has called us to here in our mission um, is such a high priority that we should set our money toward it. And this week, I'm going to try and use Zacchaeus' encounter with the Lord Jesus to reveal God's invitation to him and us, give us an opportunity to encounter him, and then the change that comes to us as we encounter Jesus. And as I do this, I'm going to kind of share a little bit of my story. And um, I think there are some parallels with Zacchaeus that I think that will be helpful for us. Um, so if you've got a Bible... Um, we're going to be looking at Luke 19. I'm going to read it shortly. And um, I hope you are ready and willing. Did, did you just... Anyway, I don't know why people are laughing. Maybe it's the next slide. I hope you are ready and willing for God to encounter... Can I have an encounter with you? Uh, maybe for you, there is uncontrolled spending in your life. Maybe naturally, you are really good at money, but it's all about kind of keeping, kind of getting it right, keeping making um, better, kind of good decisions as you um, kind of maybe get pay increases or whatever. And we're all different. And unless we have encountered Jesus and go on encountering him, we won't be handling money with the freedom that God desires for us. So that's what today is all about. So maybe this is what you're laughing at earlier. This is me. How old do you think I am in that picture? 70, I am 31, not last year, 17. I joined Facebook as I came to university, so I've got no photos online before the age of 17. So my mum's taken a photograph of that. We were having a trip to London, and I thought my hair was the coolest thing going. <laughs> um, but as I, as I kind of was at home, I learned from my parents either directly or by what their actions implied. I learned about money from mum and dad. But looking back, I um, I learned really about money by what their actions implied because I didn't know if they had a budget. So as I headed off to university looking like this, um, I had some money that saved a student loan, but I had no budget and mum and dad, they always appeared to have enough, no matter what we did and what we spent our money on. So it, they must have been doing something right. So naively, I left thinking the same. Oh, I'm sure, you know, it, I'll get it right. I'm sure I'll have enough. And it kind of worked for year one because I had an overdraft. And it kind of worked for year two, but only just because I got another bank account with another bank and another overdraft, which apparently is illegal. I didn't realize that at the time. Um, <laughs> I knew things weren't going well, though, when I had a conversation with a friend. And she's also a student called Jess, and she said that she budgeted to live off £30 a week. £30 a week after all her rent and bills. I spent that in a 
day, on a regular basis. And that word budget rang around in my ears. And I, I don't think I'd really ever considered it before. Then in year three, the wheels came off. But thankfully, I had a girlfriend who I trusted. She's now my wife. And Emma confiscated my bank card. Actually, <laughs> put it another way. No, I handed over my bank card to Emma at her wise suggestion. And every Monday or a day of the week, we'd go to the cash point, I'd get money, and I'd keep the cash and give her the bank card back. No, no, actually, I've matured. Last week, I was given my card back. No. <laughs> um, no. And whilst I, it was a really good idea, right, I felt so shameful. All my spending habits, my debt, my lack of diligence with stewarding money, carelessness with the things I spent money on, I felt so shameful. And as I looked back, or as I looked at my bank account, um, I'd see debt, and it would remind me of the mistakes I had made. And time and time again, I was believing that, that lies that the enemy was telling me. I was too far from God in this area to return to him. He wouldn't want you. He wouldn't trust you in the state you're in. And as we come to this story in Luke 19, there's someone here who um, I really relate to, the person of Zacchaeus. So let me read it from the screen. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So here's Zacchaeus, a man similar to me as I said earlier, not in stature because he was short, nor in wealth because he was a rich man, but a man who wanted to encounter Jesus and a man who in reality his heart was sick and greedy, but in Jesus he found a remedy for the sickness of heart. Zacchaeus, he's a chief tax collector. He's wealthy but not popular. He's a professional. In his, his profession in the purest form was to pay to the Romans the tax that the Jewish occupants of Jericho owed. And then he would then collect up from the Jewish residents of Jericho the, um, the tax back. And he would kind of go from house to house. So in fact, he'd have a team of people who would do this for him. And it's more likely from both the kind of historic corruption that was widely known about and the reaction of the muttering crowd that Zacchaeus was a crook, that he took more money than was necessary to reimburse himself for the tax he'd paid to the Romans. And what's more, the crowd couldn't do anything about it, that they knew that it wasn't right and that he was taking from them, but the power of being an influence shielded him from Oh, against his own corruption. But this man, Jesus, he got wind of 
So this man Zacchaeus had got wind of Jesus. Everyone seemed to be talking about him. And here is Jesus entering Zacchaeus' town. And Zacchaeus, with his short little legs, runs on ahead and climbs a tree. A tree that he can climb. It's not some um, epic high tree. It is a short squat tree. But it gets him just high enough to be able to see Jesus. And here starts Zacchaeus' moment of encounter. What happened when Zacchaeus is spotted up the tree by Jesus? Jesus tells him, I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. I occasionally invite myself round to people's houses for dinner, and Emma is generally mortified that I do that. But it in what's going on in when I, when that ever happens to you, I say, I want to come and spend time with you. And my house is a mess. So you wouldn't want to spend any time there. Because I've not done any cleaning and it's unfair for you to expect Emma to do any, um, when I've just decided I want to come and see you. But when I come to your house, I love spending time with you. I want to get to know what's going on. I want to, want to talk to you and listen to you. And that is what Jesus is doing. He's like, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. I'm inviting myself over. And, there is a life-changing transformation that, that comes. As Zacchaeus, what's his response? He welcomes him gladly. It is with joy in his heart that Jesus says, let me come to your house. He's like, yes, 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 please. I'm thrilled that you want to spend time with me. Zacchaeus makes the right response. Zacchaeus comes down from the tree and he does welcome Jesus gladly. And it's with joy they march off back to wherever Zacchaeus is, probably kind of large and palatial house is. And then Zacchaeus declares that half his wealth he's going to give to the poor. And he's going to pay back four times anyone he has cheated. For all his crookedness, his greed and corruption, he can't put himself out of God-seeking love. He can't do it. He can't remove himself from God's love. Remember back on the road, Zacchaeus runs to Jesus. He's full of shame, sure, because of his greed. But God, in his love, he reaches out to him. And as I approached my third year at university, with all those thoughts of shame and distance from God surrounding me, I needed to encounter Jesus. I needed to experience God's seeking love. And I did. Over a period of time, through spending time with God, through um, kind of repenting, through opening my heart up to people, God helped me expose the lies that I believed about myself of being distant from him and not being wanted and, or trusted. Jesus, he knows me and he knows me best and he knows what's best for me. And he had a remedy for sickness in my heart. And he drew me close. He... Uh, His love and grace came into my heart and it meant I knew I was loved. I could stand, no matter what my finances were in that place, and know that I was deeply loved by God and that he stood in the place for me. The punishment I deserved didn't come to me. It came to Jesus on the cross and I, because of that, may have had freedom from the shame and from the punishment I deserved. So I got a part-time job after, as I finished my third, uh, in, the, in the middle of my third year. In fact, I got two. And through the next 12 months, I'd keep 
carried on studying, I managed to repay some of my debt. And I did four years at university. And at the end of the fourth year, I got married and found a permanent job working in high schools in Leeds with young people. And I had a salary. It wasn't a great one, but it was a salary. And I also had got married, so I had a responsibility to care for my wife, who had returned to university to do a master's. And as I began to earn, and having had the shame dealt with by Jesus, God brought me for to a period in my life where the fir- for the first time I um, had some f- freedom to spend some money on kind of things without getting into debt, and it was a season of security where for the first time I began to give to the church regularly, and it was a pattern now that I'd forged that actually helped be a method for the future, and. Um, I've come across this book fairly recently. A friend of mine um, from school is in a church and there's an author he's friends with called Lizzie Finley. And um, she goes to the church and it's, she basically writes modern day para, uh, parables for children. And little croc finds a purse and uh, hands it into the police station. And he's given it as the owner doesn't want what's in the purse other than a very precious locket. And little croc um, decides he's going to do have three envelopes for the money that he has received from contained within the purse. One envelope says spend on it. One envelope says save on it. And the third envelope says share, give on it. And um, it's, a, it's a re, as I read this to Caitlin, in fact, she picked it off the shelf last night and said, Daddy, can we read this? And I was like, oh, I need that book for tomorrow morning. It's, it's written in my preach. But... Um, it's just a really helpful principle that I had been told as I kind of um, was part of the church in those early days at Mosaic. How about you give 10%, you save 10%, and you have the rest to spend? You give 10%, save 10%, and give the rest. And those figures may change. You may say, I want to be extravagant in my giving, and it'd be bigger than 10. Or I want to save more because of the time of life we're in. I don't need to spend so much. Um, but as Emma and I um, kind of began to both have incomes, we found one of the most helpful things was doing a CAP money course. And Jean Scopes came to our mission group and she delivered, I think it was two, maybe three sessions and got us thinking about spending, creating a budget and really releasing a taboo of talking about money with others and it was so freeing knowing what we had to spend each month or each week and I was uh, traveling back from a football match yesterday in in Doncaster and my uh, football manager has just recently done a cat money course and he says it's the best course he has ever done he said that in the car and I was like I'll I'll remember that one I'll talk about it tomorrow and he said every every month we have found that we have been overspending 300 pounds Every month. And he was like, we were just, and Emma and I, I reckon we're probably similar. We were, once we'd managed to figure out what we needed to spend, we realized what we had left. Then we could more freely make choices with that. And um, one of the things Emma and I were encouraged to do, if you just move to the next slide, David, is, um, it doesn't, oh, it doesn't quite translate. But these are the number of the things, the headings in our budget. So there's no numbers on it. And these are the things where because we've been able to um, talk about it and figure it out and think, oh, yeah, and, and budget, then we know what's left. And it means we can 
save more. It means we can give more. It means we can worry less about what we spend our money on. So if you want to do a cat money course, if you as a mission group think, yeah, let's do it together, then please get in touch with me and perhaps get in touch with Jean. Um, and she might, her or perhaps someone in, in the cat money team might be able to help you. So back to Zacchaeus. Up the tree, has a glimpse of Jesus, becomes a life-changing encounter. And I wonder for you, perhaps you're a visitor this morning, perhaps you've not come to Mosaic for, a lo- for very long, and you are like Zacchaeus, wanting to catch a glimpse of this person, Jesus. But will you be res- your response be the same as Jesus, uh, uh, Zacchaeus, as he meets Jesus, that you would welcome him gladly? Because that's, I guess, if we're part of Mosaic, that's what we do. As Jesus speaks to us, we welcome him gladly every day. And um, You see, Zacchaeus obviously had a lot of wealth, but he found something far more valuable. He accepted Jesus as master where money once was that master. And his new master, he is able to initiate a special transaction. The way Jesus brings salvation. Given not in return for what Zacchaeus gave away, but in return for accepting the love of Jesus. And that love is so transformative that Zacchaeus reorders his life to reflect that change in master. And that's what keeps happening to me as I encounter Jesus. Jesus is my master. He is the one who goes out to seek and save the lost at great cost to himself. He is the one who makes Zacchaeus' heart well where it was sick with greed and guilt. And what's more, Jesus ushers in a new heart to us. The prophet Ezekiel, we talked about this quite a lot in the Sermon on the Mount series. The prophet Ezekiel prophesies that the people of God would one day, you see, sprinkle clean water on you. It's what Jesus would do and it will be clean. I will cleanse you, God says, from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will give you my spirit to make you be obedient, essentially, that last line. And that's what I notice in me as I say yes to Jesus more and more. He gives me his spirit and leads me to obedience. It's an ongoing encounter. Really important, ongoing encounter. Um, Let me draw you in one more time to Zacchaeus and his story. Imagine he accepts Jesus as his saviour. So we see that, the evidence of that happening. Salvation comes to his house. He welcomes Jesus into his own heart. But imagine he chooses to do nothing with his money. Imagine that happens. I don't think it does, but imagine that happens. He says, I need to look after myself, so I can't give until I've got this much saved in the bank. You see, self-protection here becomes the reason that he isn't generous. He says maybe, I won't be able to pay my mortgage if interest rates go up. So I can't actually give 10% right now And in this place, fear becomes the reason he's not generous. He says, if I don't spend money on this car or this gym membership, 
this other activity that makes me happy, then actually I won't be happy. I can't give extravagantly. And it's unbelief that God won't, kind of won't fully satisfy becomes the reason here that his generosity would be stunted. And there might be other reasons perhaps. The reasons you don't give aren't good for you. The reasons you don't give aren't good for you. Maybe fear, maybe greed, maybe self-protection, maybe unbelief, or something else has got you in its grip. And it's a vulnerable place to be. But this morning, as we have some time to worship, even now, as you just ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying, what he wants to do, he wants to set you free from whatever you feel kind of has you in its grip. Because I'm longing for Jesus' church to be built here. I'm longing people are drawn into this community and receive all the benefits of being part of the church. That includes freedom from those things and materialism. I'm longing for God's kingdom to come where the poor are cared for, where children are safe, where the lonely and isolated come into family. This means the church being free from greed and fear and unbelief and means we're free to be generous and kind and caring. You see, over the last 10 years as a church, we've been able to give away more than £300,000. We've used it to plant four churches and one more coming later this year in South Africa. We've used it to see two primary schools started and a secondary school. We've used it to bless the work of local charities including work amongst the poor, internationals, children and young people, to name a few. We've used it to send workers to the nations and then bring them back for Love Nations conferences. And then there's all the money that is given to Mosaic that we aren't giving away. We've used it to see over 50 people saved. We've used it to run job clubs and food banks and cat money courses locally. We've used it to run intro courses, more than 15 intro courses in the last 10 years. And we think that it's cost about £20,000 to run those last 15 intro courses. And if you're into maths and into detail, 20 intro courses, sorry, 15 intro courses, £20,000, um, and we've seen 50 people saved, perhaps not all of them through intro, but um, it costs about £400 a person. It's an interesting statistic, isn't it? Not to feel we're justifying or feel like we're doing a good job, but I wonder, you think of someone in your mind just now who you would love to become a Christian, give their life to Jesus. How much would you give out of your savings? How much would you save up to give away so that person became a Christian? £400? Thousand? Two thousand? I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that question. But you see, our church is growing. And, um, more households than ever are giving to the church. And what if in the next ten years, we can give away half a million pounds, a million pounds, 1.5 million pounds, because people responding obediently to live sacrificially generous lives. And rather than three schools, it's ten schools, and maybe a few hospitals overseas too. And it's a thousand, five hundred, that kind of number of people coming to know Jesus. We need 50,000 pounds as a church to stand still, to keep doing what we're doing. We need giving to go up that much. I don't want to just stand still. I want to advance. I want to see God's kingdom come. And you can see that 
is a big deal for us. South Kids Worker. We want to see God's kingdom come here. You see, every pound you give, I'm holding the offering box for those listening on the, the um, MP3 player, whatever it is. Um, in my offering box is not the money people have given this morning. It, there are coins, different kinds of coins. But really, I want you to know that every pound makes a difference. Great catch with a cast on. Every pound you give sees the kingdom of God advance. Every pound given means our hearts as a church depend on him more. (laughs) Didn't want that one. Every pound given means that God's seeking love can reach out to more people. Every pound given means that we can run our services, three services across the city. (laughs) Every pound given means that we can keep running intro. Okay, so at the moment, intro's running in Costa Coffee and Headingley. HH and North are doing it together. And they have seen more than 40 people come as guests. They have seen, in the last week and a half, two of those guests say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. The first time. Isn't that amazing? And every pound given means we can do that. Every pound that is given means that uh, um, each Sunday we can share the love of Jesus with 50 children here at Mosaic South. We can develop a children's ministry that means we can take that to new levels and see new people come to know him. Every pound given means that we can disciple our children so they can get to know Jesus better. Good catch. One of my children came to me this week and told me they'd had a dream that Jesus came to them and spoke to them. And I thought, that is amazing. My children aren't old. They're young. And then um, some of the children last week came They came into the service at the end and they prayed for people and they asked God, would he heal the sick? And I just love it that we get a chance for our children to do that. But I long for more, I long to reach more of the community. And the pounds that you give make a difference. I love it that we're in a church who are generous. I love that we can get to do all that we do because you are generous. And I'm asking you, if you're fairly new, join in. And here's what I'd like you to do. If you give already, can you give some more by perhaps a one-off gift or increase your standing order? There are some blue books that are at the back and they're also on the offering table. And on the, the back page is... That, and that's, it says flexible ways to give, and it gives you all the instructions you'll need to give. And if you don't give, please decide in your heart, yourself, and with your, your partner, if that's appropriate, what you want to give. And start giving now, this week, this, this month. Um, we're gonna try and do a, a few things differently at Mosaic with our finances to help really as giving does help us grow as disciples of Jesus and we want to offer um, an opportunity to give more regularly making it easier for first time givers and 
it's also an opportunity for us as a, an eldership team to keep you in the loop of how God is providing and what are our needs. So practically, um, you'll hear in the next few weeks a few announcements of how it's changing. And it's going to be guest-friendly and completely unpressurized. But there'll be a weekly announcement and offering. We'll ha- there'll be new f- um, welcome flyers that will get put on seats. And in those, there'll be a, a giving envelope that people can use it to give. And as I say, we'll update you in the next couple of weeks as that kind of a, they get printed and we'll use them. So I'm going to the end of what I want to say. And in summary, for me, as I came into adulthood... I was handling money without Jesus. And I needed to hear an invitation from him that there was another way. And I accepted the invitation, encountered him, and this led to be me to be freedom, free to be generous, free not to worry, and um, not to feel shame in my life over my money. And over time, my whole approach to finances has changed. There's a number of practical things I've talked about that really helped me. And... I feel like I am going in a new direction, which is where the future is really exciting. But I'm part of a bigger thing where we are excited about what is happening amongst us as a church. So I think our response this morning is as follows. Right now, we're going to worship and invite Katie and the band back. And we're going to come to God and thank him for what he's done. Thank him for... Perhaps for us, we've already received that invitation and we're encountering him. And I want you to keep doing that. Perhaps for the, you, you sit here and you're not a Christian. You think, what's this encountering Jesus thing about? Well, it's just about meeting him, hearing his voice and coming to know him as a person and as a master, as a king of our lives. And asking, wherever you might be personally about money, um, that... His love wants to come and meet you and reach you. And I want you to ask him that he'd reveal more of your love for you. The same love that meant Jesus found Zacchaeus and change happened in his life. And then um, Bob will lead us um, through the service and uh, we'll take communion toward the end. So let me pray as we finish. Do you want to stand with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that as we look at you and your heart, we see utter generosity Thank you, Jesus, that you obediently went to the cross for us to mean that we might be free from all the things that grip us and and hold us. And we say this morning, please, may we encounter you, Lord God. May life change happen to us because you are coming to meet with us. We praise you, God. Amen. Amen.